Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Hate to See It podcast here on this uh, preseason camp caravan. We're going to be hitting the AFC South. Um, obviously, big weekend for baseball on the local teams. The Yankees surging, uh, winning a couple, still winning some series. I uh, dropped the one yesterday. COVID is killing them, but um, and the Mets are a disaster, and we love to see it here. But um, I'm joined by Ryan and Evan, and we got a special guest, and we really appreciate his time. All right, this guy is a friend of the show. He's always been a friend of the show from afar. Some people know, some people know him as the hitman. Others listening might know him as Tom. But for our sake here, Tom, he's a professional uh, gambler, handicapper. Uh, Tom, how you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm, I'm happy to be on. You know, I do a lot of podcasts with people I've never met before from all around the country. I'm serious and all that, but there, there's nothing like coming back home. And I, I guess I'm back home doing this podcast. Home, home. That's <laughs> where we're at right now, man. Uh, no, we really appreciate the time. Uh, Tom, you know, gets very busy this time of year. It's only going to get busier. So we really, really appreciate you can squeeze us in here real fast. Um, so I want to open up with, you know, a question for you, you know, just from, from a gambling perspective, when you're, when you're looking at, you know, season bets and things like that, what are like some of the things you, you look for and, and kind of give that direction of, to an average gambler of what do you look for in terms of picks and what do you think is going to hit and how do you go about breaking it down? Well, you, what you want to do is you want to try to make a number on your own and see where your number differentiates from what, what the market has it. So to give you an example – Let's say that um, you're high uh, or let's say you're low on a play on a running back this year. One, one of mine that I'm a little low on is DeAndre Swift of the Lions. So I look at his rushing props for the upcoming season and I see it's 900. Now, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make a projection on my own, looking at maybe some data from the previous season maybe looking at some beat writer reports, which one of the top things you could do for if you're following any team is read the beat writers that cover the team because they're with these teams 24-7. They have sources inside the building. So they're going to give you a lot of good info on, on the upcoming season for your favorite team and try to find someone, obviously, that isn't biased towards that team. So what you do is you kind of make a projection based off that and you want to see where your number comes in. Now, let's say... Let's say I'm down on DeAndre Swift as the example for this upcoming season. I project them for around 750 rush yards, but the market has it 750 rush yards. Well, guess what? It's not worth a bet because the market is down on him also this upcoming season, having a starting running back that high. But if you look at it and there's a big discrepancy from what you think it should be, then that's where you're going to take a position on something. And it's reflective in everything. Like one of the examples I like to say is like a lot of people will say, oh, well, I want to bet the Chiefs this week, but I don't want to bet the Texans this week. I won't bet the Texans. They're the worst team in the league. Well, it could be anybody. It could be the Chiefs playing a high school team. And you say to me, well, well Tom, who, who are you looking on betting on? Well, what's the spread? There's a price that I'm going to bet on the Chiefs. There's a price I'm going to bet on the high school team. So you kind of have to – just leave your um, leave your emotions. pride, leave your leave your pride, pride, leave your emotions at the door, and just go. Leave again. your emotions at the door. Look at everything objectively. Don't bring any uh, biases into it, and try to figure out um, what the right side would be. 
Hey, Tom, I got a question. How about you having looked into some of these, uh, some of these props in, early in the year with the, you know, we got the 17 game season this year and I know I'm sure you've been at this business for a uh, way, uh, way longer than the rest of us have. How is that changing your frame of mind? Cause obviously like a certain number with teams over and under like at the five and a half or five and a half this year means a whole lot different than the five and a half last year. And I'm sure with the rushing totals, the touchdown totals, everything, the game's changed. How have you been uh, adjusting for that? Yeah. So it, it doesn't change much. And here's the reason. So for the season win totals, the, the way that you can make a good season win number is you have a set of power ratings. So for example, the giants are two points better in my power ratings than the jets. So if in week one, if they were to, to play, it would be a neutral site game, but maybe the, the, the Giants get one point for home field advantage because they have some of their season ticket holders there. I would add one point to that. The Giants should be three-point favorites. So what you do is you put that into a win probability, and I believe that three-point favorite wins a game. Don't quote me on this. I have it written down in my notes, but I believe it's 66% of the time. So the Giants for that upcoming season would get 0.66 of a win. And you would go through their entire schedule and you would find out their win probability based off all the spreads that you make, make a team and you just add it up. So for me this season, all I had to do was each team had a 17th game and I would just add that into a column, a 17th game, add a win probability. And that's how I would get the numbers. So on the season wins, it wasn't as big of a deal on the season long player props. A lot of the books were able to adjust to that. So, for example, if like Derrick Henry was going to be projected to run for 100 yards a game, they would just multiply that this year by 17 instead of 16, and they'd put his number in at 1,700. So, but you know what? I think that one of the big edges that did come out of it is on the season-long player props. I look to play a lot of unders on guys because obviously there's the risk of injury that's not being priced in the market. A guy gets injured for four weeks, you're betting his under. That bet's basically dead. So I think that the 17th game just added more injury risk to the players, which is unfortunate to them. But as far as if, you, if you're betting unders on these guys, it's just one extra game that they could get injured and it would uh, maybe add to your edge if you were going under. So that's really the only way that the added game affected anything for me. Hi, Ryan. Uh, I was going to say if there was one piece of advice you can give to young gamblers in like outside of the two pieces you gave, like people are just getting started outside of just leaving your emotions into it. It's always you versus a casino. It's not much more than that. And I know you always give me advice. So I think if you can touch on that a little bit. The number one thing for anybody is when you're, if you're starting off and you're trying to, like actually make some money at this. It's very difficult. It is attainable and you kind of have to treat it maybe not like a full-time job, but maybe a part-time job where you're putting in hours during the week. But the number one thing of advice I can say is find people that know what they're doing and actually do bet for a living. And that's hard to find because there's a lot of people on Twitter. Like if any of you have ever heard of the, the pick seller Vegas, Dave, he's a complete yeah. fraud and he tries to present himself as a winning better. And some people get fooled by that, but you have to be able to differentiate who the phonies are from some of the people that win. And if you, you could ask around, maybe somebody that, you know, if anybody ever asks me, I could always give people that I respect. And what you do is you would just listen to these guys and come into it with an open mind. And don't think that, you know, everything, because guess what? I started out just like everybody. 
I thought that I knew everything when I first started because I thought, oh, I know football. I know all the players. But there's so much to it, so much to it. And there's so many good resources out there that you could learn from. So just keep an open mind and learn from people because that's, like I said, that's how I accumulated all my knowledge. And I still have a long, long ways to go. I'm learning every single day from people that have been doing this for 30 years more than me. So the number one piece of advice is find somebody that you could trust, listen to some of their podcasts, listen to some of their content, their articles, and try to just uh, cherry pick their information and, and uh, try and make it actionable for yourself. Tom, you'd mentioned before, you know, you, you consider the beat writers or you know, stats in the previous season, but how much stock do you put into, say, a guy like a Trevor Lawrence or a young Cincinnati team with a Joe Burrow and with young weapons like that? How much stock do you put into, you know, the beat writers in the previous season when it comes to making those predictions as to, you know, relative to the expectation versus the biggest line of a young team like a Jacksonville or a Cincinnati? Well, like I said earlier, you kind of want to find a beat writer that you know doesn't bring a bias into it. Like I know there's certain beat writers, like for the Jets, for example. Um, I know of Manish Mehta, who hey, I'm kind of... Hey, you say Manish Mehta. <laughs> Pat Leonard of the Giants is the new Manish Mehta. It's subversive from within. Well, it's negative. It's bullshit. But, you know... Well, the, yeah, well, there's both ends of the spectrum. There's some guys that are way yeah. too negative, and there's some and guys And there's some company are, guys, I understand. ...that are kind that. of working for the team, and they're reporting stuff that's going to not the piss off their sources, right. not piss off the coaches, so they keep getting information from them. So, you know, you, you take everything with a grain of salt. Like, for example, if I'm reading that... Trevor Lawrence looks great in camp and uh, the offense looks great and and all that stuff. You know, you, you just keep, you keep it in your, you keep it in your toolbox. You keep it in your mind. Everything that these people are saying, it's not the Bible, but you take, you, you take some of it with a grain of salt and you kind of see it play out. Like, you know, if, if they're saying that Trevor Lawrence is looking really good in camp and you, maybe you watch the first preseason game and he looks really sharp to your eye, then you can kind of say, yeah, you know what, what this beat writer was reporting, it it looks good. Sure. And then, for example, a lot of the beat writers right now are saying Joe Burrow with the Bengals hasn't been looking good. They said he's been looking. And some of the players came out like Tyler Boyd, and he said oh, Joe Burrow, he, he's not himself right now. He just got surgery in December. He's just not – he's not Joe yet. So yeah. when you see a beat writer reporting that and a player confirms it, then you could get an idea. You know what, the probability is that this beat writer – is right right now how, how much not looking great but how do you, how much stock would you take like when you say you look at the season before like a trevor lawrence had a huge college career how much how much you put into that to back up of how you could kind of judge of where he's going to be in his first in his rookie year yeah it, it's it's tough with rookies because you know what there's people that are paid millions of dollars to scout these rookies they and it's way above my pay grade and these people are wrong all the time in the draft so what I would say with like any rookies or anything like that, you just got to acknowledge that there's a, a volatility to it. Whereas something like Tom Brady, this upcoming season or Patrick Mahomes or something, it's a lot more stable in what your opinion you, you have, you're, you're very confident in where they're going to be this upcoming season. But with somebody like Trevor Lawrence or any of the Zach Wilson, any of the rookie quarterbacks, any, any, any of the new coaches, you, you can have an opinion on it, but you just need to, to keep an open mind and not be married to that opinion on it. So it, it's, it's very tough. It's very tough to power rate. And one thing I'll say is I have a power rating, as I said, for each team and for teams 
that have had similar coaches, similar rosters throughout the years, you have a more confident view of like the Packers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, you have a more confident feel in them. So when you make your number, you can be very confident in that number. But for a team like the Jags, you can have them at a certain number, but you can acknowledge, you know what? I might be two, three points off on this team because there's a lot of volatility to them. Trevor Lawrence could come in and be the Justin Herbert from last year, or he could be a draft bust. So you just got to, you got to put your work into it and and try to figure it out before the the betting market can figure it out. And Tom, just to go off that, I know you've talked to me about this before. You said volatility is something you like to stay away with from as a handicapper and whatnot. We're not really stay away with, but be aware of. And I know you told me there's a big difference between betting college football and even the NFL because of strictly because of volatility and play play. Um, I think play uh, number of plays that's run and everything like that. If you can just touch on like that aspect. Yeah, yeah. So like in a, in a college football game, I don't know the exact number because I really don't handicap college football, but there's obviously a lot more plays in a game, which increases the variance in an event. So. For example, the more variance, the more like the more likely that there's going to be a result that you didn't predict. For example, if I was to have a three-point shootout with Steph Curry, would I want it to be 50 attempts or would I want it to be one attempt? Now, who's the better shooter? We we all know the answer to that. So if you were Steph Curry, but you'd want more variance in it because the better player is going to come out on top, you know, but if I would, I would want one shot because there, or there'd be less variance with 50 with one shot. There would be more variance with that, that he could miss. I can make it. So for college with all the plays that are going to happen in that case, there's going to be more variance. So like one of the things I tell Ryan all the time is don't tease college football. And the reason is because the totals are so much higher in the 60s, 70s. So there's more variance in that. If a game's going to be a 70 point game projected, but if it's a preseason game where there's 34 and a half point games, there's less variance. There's less plays, less variance to it. So that, that would be one of the big things that I would say with say with that and why I would say, like I said, with the example of teasers that I always tell you, you want to look to do, do it on that, on something with uh, less variance. Go ahead, Evan. Are we uh... – are we good to talk about this season? You got more uh, questions about the. Uh, no, no, I, I want. I, I'm good. We can, we can jump to this season and start breaking this season. I just real quick, Tom. There's in their key numbers. I know teasers is usually thought of as a sucker bet, but if handicappers do utilize it in the right forms, don't they? Yeah. For instance, if, if like one of the basic advices I could give to anybody trying to gamble is, don't parlay unless it's very rare circumstances, which I would. But with the teasers, as I said, in the NFL, there's something called Wong teasers. So Stanford Wong, who was a very sharp better, wrote a book on uh, probability and the teasers that you should be doing that have the, the highest probability where it put, basically puts the odds in your favor. And that would be teasing uh, one and a half or to a two and a half point favorite, six point teaser up through seven and a half and eight and a half or an eight and a half point favorite to seven and a half point favorite down to two and a half to one and a half. And the reason is, is because what's the most likely number that a football game, an NFL game is going to land on. It's going to be seven three. Or three. Yeah. Yeah. And what's the second yeah. most likely one It's seven. So when you do that, you're going through the key numbers. And for example, when you bet with a bookie, you're going to notice that if you buy a half point from 
three to three and a half, they're going to charge you an extra amount or seven to seven and a half, they're going to charge you an extra amount because they know that those are more valuable numbers than buying from five to five and a half. So anytime you're looking to do any teaser, which I always tell everybody, the only time you should really be looking to do that with the NFL is if you could go through the seven and go through the three. How much do you weigh into, let's say, public perception? Because if you just look at the teams that are traditionally people like the, you know, like like the teams I root for, like the point and last teams, like the Jets, like this year it's going to be the Texans. Right now, people are down to the Eagles. You figure the money is going to be more on the under with that. Is something that something you weigh? Because I know a lot of people that I at least listen to, I don't know if I should trust them or not. That so you got to follow the money, follow the money. Is that something that you care about, or is it just stick to the charts, stick to the numbers, stick what you believe in? No, not really. I mean, the only time that public perception is going to do anything for me is if a number is way off, in my opinion, because of that public perception. And an example would be a Monday night football game maybe gets more bet, more betting action than a normal game, a Sunday at one o'clock game. So sometimes you'll see maybe if an ultra public team like the Kansas City Chiefs are playing a a team team that's not very public and that's not very liked and a lot of recreational betters aren't looking to bet on like the Houston Texans, you could see that number being inflated because the money is going to be obviously pouring from most of the recreational players, which is 98% of betters. It's going to be pouring on the, on the chiefs. So the only time that I'm taking into account what anybody else is thinking is when I believe that it impacts the number. So I'll make my number. I think a, a line should be 10. And if I think if the number is 10, then I don't care what the public perception is. I'm not betting it because it's on the number. But if it's 13 and the public perception is driving that inflated number, then that's when I will take advantage of it. Because in my opinion, my numbers are better than the market. And if I didn't have that opinion, then I wouldn't be a winner. So I have to trust my numbers in that case. All right. I think, uh, just to touch on the beginning part of the season or something we can touch on. Are there any guys, I know you mentioned Swift, for example, are there any guys or teams that stick out to you that you're more, you'd fate, I think, look at differently from a ga- being more gambling aspect, looking at the NFL than a fan or fans in general. Yeah. I mean, some people I know gave, gave me shit because you guys know this is my favorite team, but I bet against them a lot last year, and I, I don't have an issue. My favorite team is whoever's my money on. If, if Once the Minnesota Vikings pay my bills is when I'll start betting them blindly and just rooting for them unconditionally. But one of the teams I think has been undervalued this whole offseason is the Minnesota Vikings. And I've said it since April when their win total opened up at eight and a half. And it, it's up to nine now, but I still think that's a little bit short. And a lot, a lot of people have forgot after last year that this team has been a contender year in and year out since Mike Zimmer has gotten there. I mean, he's one of the top three, four, five defensive coaches still in the league. And last year their defense was 31st in the league, but there's a lot of reason to believe it was an aberration. I mean, they were completely decimated, decimated with injuries in their front seven and their secondary was one of the worst in the NFL, but they've gotten so many guys back this year I really don't believe that Zimmer's forgotten to coach defense in one year I think that we could give him a little bit of a pass and their offense last year was fourth in the league in yards per play and I know a lot of people like to give Kirk Cousins shit but he I'm is, definitely he one is. Of those he's, he's overpaid is he overpaid RG3 yes, definitely overpaid. think so 
He's overpaid without a doubt. But at the end of the day, he's the 13th, 14th, 15th best quarterback in the league, wherever you want to put him. But he's in that tier. And with the supporting cast that he does have in Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, it's one of the best trio of playmakers that you could possibly have to elevate your quarterback in the entire league. So I think that their offense this year has the potential to be in that maybe eight to 14 range. And I think that their defense has the same potential. And when I, when I made my numbers on their season wins, I came out to nine and a half on it. So at eight and a half, it was a big bet for me at nine. It would still be worth a bet. I'd size down a little bit. I wouldn't have bet as much as I did in April when the initial number came out, but I think that they're one of the teams that people are sleeping on and, and uh, bounce back this season. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Daniel Hunter is probably like what one of the when he's right one of the ten best uh, defenders in the NFL, and he just wasn't there last year. Well, this this year right now, I believe he's uh, fifth in the the market for leading sackers this year. So yeah, I mean I'm with you on that that uh, he's probably a top five, six, seven pass rusher in the league, and. They got so many guys back. I mean, I thought the Giants made a big mistake laying Dalvin Tomlinson go. He was – it kind of reminds me of Linval Joseph, what he was yeah. to the Giants. Big time. And the Giants ended up regretting that for a while, letting him go, and he had a great career for Minnesota. So I think that was a big addition that they had. And to get Michael Pierce back from the, from the COVID uh, opt-out last year, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, Patrick Peterson, they signed in free agency. The, the list just goes on and on, and – like I said, if Zimmer has another bad defensive year, then maybe we say that the game caught up to him and he doesn't have it no more. But I'll uh, I'll pay to see it. I, this I don't year. think I just I think that those guys like your Zimmers, even the McCarthy's of the world, like these are football guys. And, and as the game evolved, the game has evolved since they be, began coaching years ago. So I don't want to hear that they can't keep up with the times. The times have been changing for the last thirty years when they started, forty years. So I don't like hearing that. Um, kind of tying back to how we started with you, with this conversation of kind of how how you go about, you know, placing bets. Considering what happened with Aaron Rodgers, obviously I got to bring up my guy, um, in Green Bay with the speculation of is he going to play, what's he going to do? And even the Sean Watson situation, how does Vegas handle that in terms of laying the, the odds on how many, you know, over-under win totals for them and prop bets as well? Because not just wins, but like a Devontae Adams numbers are definitely affected with who's quarterback, you know? So how does Vegas kind of, balance that back and forth storylines and legality stuff. How to, what, 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 take us through that. So th there's two ways that a, a place will approach it. W one way, which is the way that I really, I really don't like, I can kind of see their perspective from it, but I, I don't love it is they'll just take a market down completely. So when Aaron Rodgers, when they were, when training camp was approaching this year, nobody really had an idea what he was going to do. There was a lot of sports books that took down every single Packers line and you could have bet anything Packers related because they were looking for clarity. And what they don't want is they don't want news to break from a reporter from Adam Schefter that says, Oh, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And then for someone like me that gets the news before the sports book can react to it. And I'm betting every pro Packers thing I can, I'm betting the Packers week one over win total, et cetera. And then there's other places that and I think and wait, they do quick, it the right Tom, way. And it's, would you say not even, real quick, not even for that, not even just because that news just is so big and whatever you think they're going to uh, the numbers the wrong or whatever. It's because you probably will hedge it on the other side when the number then moves, right? When all that news breaks and then well, they maybe. do. Maybe I mean, it, it depends how much I could get down. Like if, if I'm on average a two, $3,000 better, 
and I'm able to get two, 3,000 on the Packers over nine, and it goes up to 11 now that Rodgers is there. I'm going to hang on to that bet because that's a tremendous bet. I have a two-win advantage, and I should win mm-hmm. that bet more times than not. Now, maybe if I was able to get 10,000 on it, which would make me a little uncomfortable, a little more risk than, than I'm comfortable with, then I would look to maybe buy some back and play under 11 in that example. But from what I was saying earlier, some sports books will keep the lines up on the Packers, but they'll just lower the limits. And they'll say, you know what, if somebody does get to this before us, this news, we're not going to take a big bet. We'll take 500. We'll take a thousand. We're not going to let somebody kill us on this bet. We'll, we'll, they'll get, they'll get their bet in. They'll be happy with their thousand. We'll adjust whatever. So for example, when Aaron Rodgers, um, the saints were three point favorites when all the Aaron and week one, when the Rodgers news was in, um, fluctuation so as soon as i get that news on that rogers is going to be coming back i believe Rappaport was the first one that tweeted it i'm looking at all my books and i'm seeing where can i bet the packers plus three for week one because i know that line's going to move and it did move to the packers minus three so there's different ways for them to approach it but definitely one of the number one things that you could do to be a winning better is just be able to react to news before some of these places can adjust to it. And it's a commitment to do that. You really got to be on top of your stuff and in front of your computer screen on Twitter to get that news. But if you're, uh, if you're able to do it, then it, it can be very profitable for you. And if, Bye, Ryan. Uh, I guess to bring it back a little to the local aspect of it, if you could uh, touch on how you see the Jets and Giants um this year because i know i know these two fan bases are notorious for putting on blinders and uh you know oh there we go yeah here we go here we go who do you want me who do you want me to to shit on first which one you can shit on the giants first okay <laughs> okay well i mean i I haven't bet on their underseason win total right now. At some places, it's seven and a half. Uh, some places, it's seven. Depends on where you shop, which is super important, by the way, to winning. Have a lot of accounts and be able to shop for the best number because obviously seven and seven and a half is a huge difference. So you want to be playing with – if you like the under, you want to be fine who has a seven and a half. If you like the over, find who has a seven. But I, I have been strongly considering – like I said, haven't bet it. Strongly been considering – the Giants under this year. And I would say that in my mind, the probability is probably there is in favor that the Giants are going to be looking for a quarterback after this year. I know that Daniel Jones was a reach to many people when he was drafted. And I know that they have done a good job at surrounding him with playmakers. I mean, I think playmaker wise, the Giants are probably in that top 10 range as far as running back, wide receiver, and tight end, what they put around him. But Daniel Jones said, has I think been – offensive line is like atrocious. Well, that's the thing. Daniel Jones has been the most pressure-sensitive quarterback, arguably, in the league. Um, he took sacks on 9.1% of his dropbacks, which was the highest in the league last year. He was pressured at the second-highest rate in the NFL. And – when he was pressure a lot, some quarterbacks like Russell Wilson have been able to deal with that pressure throughout their career and overcome it. But that's like the top of 
top tier quarterbacks are able to overcome that. If you're one of those middle of the pack guys, even it's, it's tough to overcome that. And Jones last year was 25th in passer rating when he was pressured PFF, which some people love. Some people don't, I'm kind of neutral on them, but they ranked him 29th when he was pressured and there really wasn't any major upgrades to their offensive line. So, I mean, I know that their defense did play well last year. I thought that their defensive coordinator did a very good job, but I'm not a big fan of Jason Garrett. I know a lot of, a lot of people aren't. And I just, I, I don't think that their offense, I believe their offense last year was 29th, 30th in scoring. Can I, can offense. I, can I, I defend my offense for two seconds? Is that my allowed? Can you, can you oh, wait, 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 before, let's, before Derek goes, Derek, that, uh, Tom, that's coach, that's coach Jason Garrett to you. Coach Jason Garrett. That's right. <laughs> coach, coach Jason Garrett. I if you were sitting on an under eight and a half, would you feel very good? Well, if you gave me one and a half wins better than the market on any team in the NFL, I would be feeling very good. So can I, I, I found, I found a great sports book in that one. Didn't it's I? nothing yeah. against the giants. Like I said, if you said, any no, team if, you, if you give me eight and a half too, I'd probably take the under as well, but can I defend my team for a second here as you know, I well, didn't already. That's what, that was the point. Of let me, let me, let me explain something here. I think down the stretch, I mean, you look at the running game last year with Wayne Gallman with, with a mishmash of running backs, the Giants were getting 100, 100 rushing yards a game last year. The offensive line did improve. So, yeah, the, the pressure is going to be on Jones this year to get it. Gonna be, I agree. If he doesn't get it done this year, he's probably going to be done. Oh, he's got to be with two first-round picks I, next I, year. I, I agree with that. But I think that we're kind of sleeping on the fact that, look, Ryan bashes Dave Gilman for a living. Now, Ryan did have to Warranted, swallow his pride. right, Tom? Not, okay, but this year with the free agent moves, we have put people in position. But Ryan all said it's a collaborative effort. And I'm going to use that as a two-way street because Ryan uses it as a collaborative effort only when moves are correct. When moves are wrong, he only blames Gavin by himself. So Well, he was here by himself. Ah, he drafted the running back second well, overall. Uh, so you're, that's fine. Yeah, but I mean, in all fairness, Ryan was Ryan wanted that move. with the As a fan of Saquon overall. and the Giants, not as a GM. He's also a guy that <laughs> – anyway, so the, the point I was making was that I think the collaborative effort between Judge, Kevin Abrams, and, and, and Dave Gettleman, they see enough in the offensive line to saying, okay, you know what? We made strides at the end of last year, and it's basically the same offensive line coming back this year. So why would we not think that this offensive line is better than where it was no, last year? Not. Kevin Zeitler was your best offensive line in that He's last got, year. Okay, He's yeah, done. we lost one guy. Okay, I understand that. But you think that if they knew there was a hole to be filled, they wouldn't have made a move to do that as opposed to taking Kadarius uh, Tony in the first round or another free agent move? Not they, didn't it. they didn't address not- it on. The point I'm making is we're not there. And as, and as a gambler, like Tom is uh, with these, I take a lot of stock in the fact that the coaches assess what's going on. And the fact that a move is not made means that it's not a, a glaring issue they feel needs to be addressed. And they feel that the, those resources should be allocated to other places. I put case in point this year, getting Kenny, uh, Kenny Galladay. So I think I we know. need to pump the brakes. I mean, is that a fair point or not? I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. But one of the things that I'll say is that when it's an organization that like maybe the New England Patriots, for an example, that has given you throughout the years where you could say, you know what, it looks like on paper that they didn't address this thing, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because of their success throughout the years that they're probably on top of this and they know more than we do, which again, the giants know more than I do about their offensive line. I'm not, oh, no, not that. Ryan though. Not Ryan though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, not Scout I'm, Ryan. I'm, I'm not, not disputing yeah. that either, but, but that doesn't mean 
like, for example, they just haven't earned that benefit of the doubt right now. And I know that giant fans, for example, with Jason Garrett, I know that you guys really didn't have much respect for him when he was the coach of the Cowboys. I know that a lot of you, not, I'm not speaking for all of you, but a lot of you were probably upset when he was fired from the I, Dallas I didn't Cowboys. disagree with that. I like the way Garrett obviously took a guy like a Tony Romo and even a Dak Prescott. I really liked the way he molded those quarterbacks. and They became very good quarterbacks in the NFL. Everybody thinks Dak is one of the best in the league right now. Romo had a hell of a career. So I, that's, that was my, that's why I hung my hat on Jason Garrett and okay, I'm not – Awful with this move. I thought he was a good coach, not a bet, not a good head coach. But I kind of liked the hiring when they got it. I thought I love kind of you know, in the right situation, former head coaches going back to coordinator roles. It does typically work out. I think it's a strong coaching hire most of the time. I mean, sometimes it definitely doesn't work out. But I liked it, and it kind of slapped me in the face because well, I know one thing a lot also, of Giants. World. One thing also is right now at every single position group in the league, there's probably 32 coaches that think that their position groups are good enough to get by right now. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of teams that are disappointed. Like let's go away from the giants, the Detroit lions right now on paper by far have the worst receiving core in the NFL with Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman, Amon Ross, St. Brown. Like these are guys that last year, I know Evan, you're a Jets fan. Rashad Perriman was a, guy that you were thinking last year like all right he's a he's okay third or fourth receiver oh (laughs) you know Rashad Perriman when he's on the field he's a lot better than people get him credit for I I, I agree but Tom I know you're a big Rashad Perriman fan weren't you high on him when he first came out at the end of the day though Rashad Perriman you if he was your team's third receiver you'd say you know we could probably get by with him as our third receiver I think he has some potential but you're not banking on him to be your number one but that's why Sam was over 500 yards at week one at Carolina but that's none of my business go ahead Evan what's your question (laughs) yeah no I just want to I trust your opinion you're very unbiased what should I expect from my Jets this year I know I think the total six right now uh if I were to bet on it, I'm not because I gave up on betting on the Jets a while ago. I think my Smart number man. in my head, I'm, I think seven's a very realistic number for them to get this year. But, you know, I, I'm biased. But where, where are you at here? Well, so when I plug my power ratings in, I came out around six wins for the Jets. Uh, the teams, there was only two teams I had ahead of the Jets right now in my numbers. It was the Lions and the, Jets, and the, the Texans. And the Jets were kind of in that slightly worse than the the Bengals and Jags just because they're kind of similar where the teams they're rebuilding right now they're rebuilding their roster and but obviously Zach Wilson is a little less pedigreed than Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence right now we have to project that they're probably going to be ahead of him and we could be wrong on that who knows but that would what I would project right now but you know I, I like the way that they're building I think that their offensive line has take is going to take a, a decent step forward with Elijah Vera Tucker and Mackay Becton was an excellent pick for them. They arguably got him best or Tristan Wirfs the best tackle in last year's draft. And then they and get the, he, they drafted the third or fourth tackle if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wonder so, which I mean, GM think, took the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that uh, I think that they're building it right. The Robert Sala hire. I've seen a lot of Jet fans very enthusiastic about him because he just because he's not Adam Gase and I'm kind of neutral on him. Like, would I be surprised if he was a good coach? Not at all. Would I be surprised if he wasn't a great coach? 
I mean, no one wouldn't be stunned. So I've been kind of pumping the brakes on like this guy is the next coming of. No, like you said, there's certain guys like a McVay or a Shannon where you feel like, okay, these guys are probably going to be good, but he, he's a guy that's, you know, like he's not a Singletary where you hired him because he's a rah-rah guy. But on the other yeah. hand, that's why Singletary got fired. Yeah, he I don't did a see good job in San Fran. Salah's not, could, yeah, Salah's not a, a guy like that. We'll, we'll, see how, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I think that the trajectory is looking up on them, but I don't think that it's going to be this year for them. All right, that's fair. So you're taking their under. I did not bet there. I did not bet anything. Right, let me ask you this. As a New York local, very local podcast with international reach, um, who do you see having a better record, the Giants or the Jets this year? And this is our last question. We appreciate your time tonight. We know you kept it way longer than you expected. but It's, it's, it's fine. Uh, who do you have? I, I wouldn't – I would make a major bet on the Giants just because – Yeah. Well, I, I, real quick, yeah. my numbers right now, my numbers right now, my ratings are the Giants are – I think at 6.9 wins or something. And I think I made the Jets at six wins. So even though I just spoke bad about the Giants for all that time in relative to the market, because the Giants have some higher expectations this year. All right. I think but, than the Jets. Here we go. But, I mean, looking, Gavin. Go ahead, Tox Gavin. Looking, I, I, would say the, no. I would say the Giants. Looking towards the future. Who, which franchise do you think is in a better spot? Though? Oh, here's, there goes to, there's Toxic. Because I think the Giants are kind of like in, on, on the way just, back. Just as confidently as I said that the Giants would have a better record this year, I would say just as confidently that if you said wins over the next five years, I'd take the Jets. All right. Just because I think that it's less than a 50% probability that Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. And that's what you're basing it off of. At the end of the day, quarterback rules everything in this league. Well, I think the Jets have something going for him here that Zach Wilson hasn't played yet is is why you could think optimistically about that. And that's honestly, that's what helps him out is you'd say about maybe a second overall pick pans out 50% of the time, let's say. And so if we say that Zach Wilson has a 50% chance of being a solid quarterback, then I think it's it, I think it's just a higher probability than Daniel Jones. I mean, who knows? Daniel Jones could become Josh Allen because after two years, what we were saying about Josh Allen was not good. He was in a make or break year, just like Daniel Jones is in a make or break year. Now, I think that Josh Allen has obviously way stronger physical ability than what a Daniel Jones. Hey, had. Daniel Jones is the fastest speed in the NFL, apparently. Yeah, quarterback. He does, he does NFL, have yeah. underrated mobility. So does Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Eight Don't disagree with that. Last Don't disagree year, with that. But there's, there's um, people in this tanks. chat. There's people in this group that hate Daniel Jones with a passion. I don't right? hate him. I just don't no, think he's no. the guy. And hey, notice Tom, that guy immediately spoke up. Go ahead. Tom, that's it. We got to go. This guy's going to be. Let, I am. I am. All right. All right. Where can we find? Where can we find you? Pick set. And uh, who do you think wins the AFC South? Because that's what we're transitioning on into. Okay. Uh, you can find – just find me on Twitter, at Hitman428. If you have any interest in any services or anything like that, or you just have to DM me any question that you want on what, who somebody – what's a book I could read or somebody I could listen to about getting smarter on this. Like I said, at Hitman428. And AFC South, it's funny. So – I actually bet the Jags to win this division in March. It was my first bet of the entire season. Now, an important thing to remember is I got it 14 to one. And do I think the Jags are going to win the division? No, obviously not. But at 14 to one, I think that 
I just need to win. I need to be right about that one time out of every 14. So do I think if the season was simulated 14 times, I think they'd maybe win it two or three times because there's, is a realist. There's a possibility that Trevor Lawrence does become Justin Herbert like quarterback. Maybe they can sneak in, win eight, nine games, the rest of the division. I'm not going to talk about the Texans. They're one of the worst teams on paper that we've seen in a while. The, the Colts obviously have their issues right now. And the Tennessee Titans, they lost Arthur Smith in the offseason, which is an absolutely huge loss for them because he was one of the top play callers in the league. And their offense on paper does look really solid with that trio of Julio, A.J. Brown, and Derrick Henry. But their defense on paper is one of the bottom five defenses in the league. So – I'm kind of down on every – I was. I'm down on the Titans. I'm down on the Colts. The Texans are a shit show, and I was maybe a little higher on market than the Jag, on the Jags. But it's just a long way to say that I think that the Jags are a decent long shot at anything eight to one or better. But if you put a gun to my head and said who will win the division, I'd, I'd have to choose the Titans. Decent. All right. You know what? When you put it that way, with with the Jaguar ex- explanation, I I could kind of see it. I I definitely could see it. So yeah, you never know. You really don't know. And the and the NFL draft is a semi crapshoot anyway. So you don't know. But anyway, Hitman, we appreciate your time. Thank you for coming. I know this is your busy season, so can't thank you enough. Hopefully, we'll get you on some point this season if you could find some time for us. Appreciate you guys. Yeah, anytime. Anytime you need me, be on for a few minutes mon- a Monday night or. Or something. Well, not not Monday night. Now that the football season's coming, but on maybe Tuesday, Wednesday night. If you ever need me, just feel free. Let me know, and happy to help you guys out and uh, be on the the local podcast. Local from, international uh, reach. Uh, we're, we're everywhere. Thanks, Tom. Thanks Thank for you, coming Tom. out tonight, man. Thanks, Tom. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you for having me. All right, well, we have we had the hitman on. We appreciate him coming on. And you know what? When he was talking about the Jaguars and he said the Jaguars, I was like, well, this guy is nuts. But when he broke it down that way, you know, maybe you never know. It's a shot in the dark. But that, that leads us perfectly into our AFC South talk here. Um, good Lord, I got work to do later. Um, AFC storylines here. <laughs> Let's start. This show sucks. Let's start with this. I think, Gary, I think you should open up with the Texans. Yeah. And just and just go. On. I know you haven't killed me in a while. I know you've been feeding on it. So, I, I mean, you got – let's break this down. You got Jack Easterby here who, who is the, you know, the, the, the preacher. The preacher has prayed this team into a complete disaster. Deshaun Watson, every time this guy speaks up or something might happen that it seems positive for the franchise, another masseuse comes out and says that he touched me. So, this guy, I told you guys this, he's never leaving. This is the – like Tom said, this is the worst team on paper. This team traded away DeAndre Hopkins. You even drove Billy O'Stooge out of town. You got no direction in the front office. You have no direction on the field. You have no quarterback. I mean, you do have Tyrod Taylor, but the poor guy is walking into another disaster. He might as well get, get stabbed in the lung again. That would probably be doing him a favor this time. But, I mean, guys, I don't see this team winning even, even close. No quarterback with no team. I love Gary, Tyrod Taylor. Go ahead. Real quick. You had a uh, gun to your head. They win a game or they don't? Oh, that's oh, – I, I think they, they win a game. game. I think a better question, gun to your head, do they win four games? That's that's their over. Oh, I know. Obviously, over right that now. would be their over. I think they'll win a game. No, I think they'll. 
In the a couple NFL, things go wrong. They, they could be competing with the Browns and, and one of them with the new 17-game season. Oh, you go 0-17. Oh, I mean, you know teams are waiting for these guys. I mean, the Browns, everyone on that uh, – everyone on right. the Lions team I think is we, the Lions, right? I and think the, the question team. we got to really start off with here is do we see Deshaun Watson playing this year? I don't think he plays for the Texans. Yeah, I think he does at some point play this year. But uh, but guys, every time this guy talks about going somewhere or something might happen, another story comes out. That's that's kind of seems how it's been. Someone's sure. gonna someone's gonna roll the dice at the end. I, of the I day, heard the Towns Eagles count. were recently. Does he have? Yeah. Does he have any actual? He has all civil suits. Or is there any actual like legitimate cases here? I I think I thought, still I thought the flare. I thought the flare up. Kind of like spark some things, like the fact that he showed up at camp. I think that spark, like well, kind of sparked the whole other thing. Like, did he? Did he actually? As I know, he showed up to camp and didn't do anything. I know that well, he I skipped, saw him throwing. He but he was he wasn't participating. But he was but throwing. Evan, and shit. From from a from a lawyer perspective, what, if you're saying there's still an investigation, why doesn't the commissioner put on the commissioner exemplus here? Because there might be a report come out week one. This guy's under arrest. Okay, so I was yeah, listening to a podcast. I was talking to a podcast talking about it. They think. Because this is also in concert with the Players Association, they might view the commissioner's exemplarist as a uh, almost an admission of guilt, which he's not going to want to do because he's going to. But stand. he's not putting himself on there though. He doesn't mm-hmm. have that. Well, at the player association, the players association is going to look out for his best interest, and if he's telling his rep, "I don't want them to put me on it. I didn't do this by putting this on it. People are just going to assume I did regardless." So from that, I understand. Yeah, you can kind of see how how quickly. It went from Bauer still pitching to Exemplis to 20 guys in this locker room don't want him back on the team. Yeah. It kind of – and, I mean, we still haven't gotten to the bottom of that fully, I don't think, but it's it's only getting worse as the time goes on. And that's kind of how these situations usually turn out. Yeah. What do you guys think – go ahead, Evan. I just want to talk about the Texans in general. They're over They're over on the right now. It's four. I'm not going to lie. I kind of think they head over that because people forget – it's an entirely different team from last year. They put a lot of vets on that team with one-year deals that are like – they're not scrubs. They had like a bunch of guys like Jordan Jenkins. They had a couple of backs. Uh, there's just, I think they, they led the league in free agency. And Romeo Cornell is still there, so I mean – Yeah, this is an entirely new group, and I think people forget it's 17 – it's a 17-game season. I don't think the Jags are going to be great. The Colts don't have a quarterback right now. They do play – Do they? no, they don't play last base schedule, which is going to give them a little trouble. But I don't think I bet over, but I think they – at least I think there's a chance they push. Yeah, I think they're – I think they – I think they're in that same – Ryan, you're writing these down? Not what – I'm going to do – I'm going to write it down. I'm going to ask this. All right. Yeah, down. go ahead. All right, yeah. So, to me, I think the Texans – listen, Tyra Taylor could definitely quarterback an NFL team. Um, it's just going to come down to, you know – shitty teams or teams that are that are like I always say that shitty teams or teams that are moderate or that mediocre team it really depends on those first four games yeah and if they can start off two and two you got a shot if they start off one and three they're done I think they're really done and you go one and four I think you're done so I think that gets overlooked a lot the team the start to seasons is is very you can't you especially like compared to like the NBA and you get used to watching MLB and, you know, like there's so many games, like you lose, you get, dig yourself that big of a hole early in the season. It, the numbers show it. We talk, we look, we've seen numbers like one in six teams never make it. Like you, you can't, like the Giants have consistently did, dug themselves in holes, not to switch positions, but no, you, those four Giants are definitely very one of, important. The Giants definitely one of those teams that the first four are huge. Um, let's shift our focus east to Jacksonville. And then we'll work our way back up north. Um, you got Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, 
Tim Tebow. I mean, uh, you got to feel optimistic here. You got a you got a shotgun who's a great owner who is really energetic. He's a listen in terms of turning a friend. Listen, stop. Let me finish. In terms, hold on. In terms of spending money and allocating into into trying to bring back a franchise, he's one of the like the more likable owners in the NFL. Right or wrong? I mean, he's yeah, because of his like mustache. I don't. I, I think he's an iconic owner. I think he's a guy that understands how this I think works. They, I think we forget how soon the or how quickly. Uh, not too long ago, not sooner. Quickly, they, go ahead. I know they, they were in the AFC Championship game, but I think I don't think it's anything. I think to be honest with you, players got tired of Coughlin's hands-on style, and I think it just when it's the detachment of him not being a coach and being there every day, so they can build these bonds with these players, and he kind of kind of transitioned that role. Listen, into front I, office I don't want to get too much. They, that's why they kind of you know. That's why they kind of that team fell apart in essence. I don't want to get too much at the Coughlin. I think the Jalen, uh, what was it, the Jalen Ramsey comments, right about Tom Coughlin? Well, yeah. Listen, yeah. I mean, Tom Coughlin won two Super Bowls doing it his way. You didn't even you you haven't sent the Super Bowl, so I don't want to hear shit. All right, right. obviously, so that's different time, but I don't want to I'm get saying it. it's two different jobs. It's you two, can, yeah, you can, you can, I understand that. Can't look at them with two different lenses. But I think right now, saying. as a Jacksonville Jaguar, you should have every reason to feel optimistic. You have the best quarterback in the country. The best and a very ta- you know highly and his running team. back. He got his running back. You know you, you got now. Listen, uh, I think one Urban, of the most rena- renowned college coaches of recent history of maybe and all time, Tim Tebow. All right, well, let me all give right, you the relax. case against the Jaguars. I'm not going to say anything about Lawrence. He's just like a rookie quarterback. Obviously, very highly touted. He could be great, like Tom Don't said. Disrespectful, my boy. I said he could be great. I said, know, I know. He, also, he could he also, also suck. Bad. Ah, doubt, All right. Doubt it. All right. Let's look at it. Urban Meyer is just a college coach. Not everyone's going to buy into whatever his system. He's not like this multiple championship winning coach in the NFL anymore. He's just another guy. And he's also a guy that's shown he'll quit on a situation if things go bad. And seeing how Jacksonville's operated the last 10 years, I know you're saying Shad Khan's a great owner. Shad Khan's had one winning season as an owner in the I just looked it up. The nine years he's been in charge. <laughs> and at the end of the day, they were a one in 15 team last year. Their defense. There's a reason brutal. they were drafting first. Yeah. Their defense is brutal. Their line, their line's actually okay. I'd say like a slightly below average line. And you know what? You just picked a receiver with your first row, uh, not receiver, a running back with your first overall pick on a team with a ton of other needs. And you have James Robinson. So there's really nothing screaming Not your first optimism. Pick, first round the first, pick, the yes. first non-Lawrence pick. There's nothing about that team that has me screaming optimism outside the fact that Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be really good. I think that's a huge part that's of the fair, optimistic. That's fair, that's fair I mean, though. I, I get, I get his point hundred percent. Justin Herbert. There's Justin a lot Herbert of was the, arguably my man. That was like the best. Time. Time. Yeah, he won. No, like I understand last that. Year. <laughs> yeah, but considering go from one to six wins, that's a huge jump. Well, yeah, that or one th- even one to five wins is a huge jump. That's why I'm saying, like, in the Jaguars had a, I mean, uh, the the Chargers had a much better team than Trevor Lawrence did. So I I understand that, but you have, I think, you go from one to four or one to five, you got to be feeling good that maybe now yeah. you have a guy like Urban Meyer who is a respected NFL, respected football mind. Evan, I got a quick question for you about Trevor Lawrence. Who do you think has a better season, Trevor Lawrence or Daniel Jones? Here we go. Ooh, that's a good question. Me and Derry have a little wager on that as well, I believe. 
Do you want me to add you to how, the notes? How are, we defining, how are we defining better? I think the best way to do it, I mean, for a betting standpoint, is fantasy points. But, I mean, that's very subjective. Oh, I think – well, I think it will be Lawrence then because Lawrence is a worse defense. They're probably going to be playing from behind more. And uh, they don't have – he doesn't have Jason Garrett as offense coordinator. <laughs> so, if any, quick, I, I think, I think it defends Daniel Jones. Go ahead. I think, I, I think you're defending on. Daniel Jones, but go ahead, Evan. No, I'm not defending Dan. I think, like he, I think he said and and half. The, the number six and a half over and under real quick before we move on to the next team. For the, ja- um, for the Jags? I'll say yeah. over because the extra game. Uh, Even six wins? Matter. Yeah. Six and a half. Uh, under. I think I think they get six wins. Yeah, I'm, slightly right. over. I'm not writing this stuff down. We, do we definitely it. believe that – these are probably the last two of the division. Do we definitely believe it's either going to be the Texans or the Jaguars the last place in this division? I could see uh, maybe the Jags sneaking up there and potentially – I think I spot. think I think the Jags are slightly ahead of the Texans. Well, I say I just think if wait if you wait, don't wait know what? With, oh the Texans, yeah no, the Jags are much well, better team. The Texans. I think the Jags are a lot better than the Texans. I think if the Colts, if if situations turn bad, they had their two best players out from five to twelve weeks, or two two not one their best player offensively and their quarterback, which is very All you right. know. Let's um yeah I I I I I think so too. All right, here we go. Let's keep moving here. Tennessee. All right, we just know we know no Arthur Smith, a lot of shakeup. Now they did get Julio Jones. Um, where do you guys see the Titans fitting into this? They kind division? of like traded Julio. This division Arthur is Smith. wide open, especially this division. I think is wide open between for, between the Titans and and the Colts. I mean, you got to believe here. I mean, wh- what's our vibe on Tennessee? Well, Tannehill's a good quarterback now, which is like awesome for him. His weapons got slightly better because people forget John Smith. It's a good football player right there. I love AJ Brown. Everyone loves Derrick Henry, but that's another heavy, uh, heavy workload workload year on him last year. So hopefully pulls together. It's a good line. So offensively, they should still they should stay in the top like five, six, seven teams in the league. That defense, they need someone to take a huge step because it's a thin bunch. They added Bud Dupree, who you know he's coming off an ACL. Jeffrey Simmons is a monster, but outside of that, oh boy, they got a lot of work to do. So I think they'll win the division just mainly because. I don't see Jacob Eason holding down the fort well enough that the Colts can do it. But uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see this being like a nine and eight division winner. I agree. I don't think this is going to be a division where you're going to have a legit like outlier as, as hey, the best team. Um, Tennessee is really, you don't really know what's going to happen, but it's definitely between Tennessee and the Colts. And I think Ryan, what's your, you have a Tennessee point. I think I echo what basically Evan and Tom said a little earlier, their offense is, one of the best for sure. If you look at talent, skill, talent on the skill position level and their quarterbacks, how we've seen Tannehill straight take the strides he has over the years, but their defense has lost a lot of holes. And at the end of the day, that was the big success for them is they were able to run the ball and, you know, like grind teams out and get, it it was still high scoring games and Tannehill did what he had to do, but I think they're kind of, losing themselves a little bit. So I think they're taking steps backwards, even though they're getting additions offensively. Because I know that, you know, they were kind of doing the little zag while everyone zigs kind of thing. Everyone was throwing the ball. They were kind of the uh, old-fashioned run it, you know, beat you up. Run the clock, you know, run the clock, run Run the the clock. clock. Yeah, Yeah. shorten the games. And a lot of teams here are trying to make the games longer with a lot more passes and a lot more up pace. But, uh, yeah, now we're going to go to a team that I think with Carson Wentz, I really believe would be the favorites in this division. 
Now, I think Carson, they had a shot for sure. Now, Carson Wentz is hurt, and it was a five to 12 week recovery period. So, five weeks puts you at that week one range. I Here's what I think. My gut is telling me now, not even listening to any reports, my gut is telling me that he's in a six to seven week range. I think he comes back week one or week two or three is where I think you see Carson Wentz. I think it, if they hold them out for, if they can't get them in for week one, I think they might take that, the, the barometer for the trade that the, whatever the threshold is that I think they might take, if it comes up to that, like a game or two, they might take that into account. Four games. But four games. He, if he, if he play, if he misses four games or less, it's a first round pick. But as soon as that fifth game hits, that's the first round pick now. And I, just real quick off that, do you guys think it would be a little bit of an indictment to him if you were a fan of the Colts, if Quentin Nelson comes back before him? Or would you be okay understanding that's a lineman compared to a quarterback? Or I just want to get your guys. I think it's the other that. way around. They have the same – they I, have I think, the, basically the same exact injury. I think that if, 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 if Carson Wentz comes back earlier, I think that would make more sense. Because actually, believe it or not, alignment, his feet are, way, are just as well, valuable and no, no, no. more well, valuable. I'm saying, that, I'm saying that based off – well, yeah, I get that 100%. But I was saying if you saw Quentin Nelson's Instagram post as soon as the news broke, he was very adamant that he's playing week one. He's going to – it's a setback. I, I he think was Carson, very, very adamant. I think Carson Wentz has mentally beat the shit of when it comes to injuries. That's why he's not a guy like, I'm going to be back. Because oh, the guy's yeah. just been through hell and back. I think that you plays know, a role. Everyone's everyone's body's different. Everyone heals at a different pace. and. You know, like some guys are more confident that they can play not 100% than others. So I can't kill them either way. But, uh, yeah, no, the Colts are a pretty pretty uh, stacked roster outside of the quarterback. I know I've been a little critical about how, like, they've kept their cap space when all they had is all young talent. Now it's going to come around to pay everyone. And they're going to run out of this cap space. I think their window actually to really compete closed a little bit unless Wentz can take off. But uh, I think it's all if, – if we see last year's Wentz, they're, I don't think they can compete for division, but if we get a, you know, not even MVP wins, but like that nice in between, I think in solid spot. You need, all you need is a Phil Rivers type performance for next year and the Colts win the division. Yeah. Better. Even yeah. even if you took, if you told yeah. me Phil Rivers would have the, the season he had last year, this year, this year, and the, they're and winning the division. Up, yeah, they're winning the division. Great. So, because they were in it, right? They were in it to league in 17. Yeah. And they made, and, and the playoff game, they were still in it against the Bills with Old Man Rivers, who couldn't throw the Hail Mary. So, yeah. And I, God damn, don't you think they missed Jacoby Brissett right now? Yeah. But anyway, I think that if Carson comes back early enough, this team will still win the division. If he's in that five, six, six weeks into the season, it's going to be tough. It really is going to be tough because think about it. He's got to get into a rhythm and it's going to be a whole thing. So, but he's also got Frank Reich. It's his guy. So you got to feel confident. Um, my prediction for this division, I think Carson comes back on the sooner side. I think it ends up with Colts winning it, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. That's my that's my standing. Is that again? Colts win. Colts, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. Flip, uh, flip, uh, Indy and uh, Tennessee for me, and that's what that's where I'm at. I got Tennessee, Jags, Colts, and Texans. All right. Well, that's that's our AFC South. That's AFC South. Yankees are rolling. Everyone's sick. Mets. Listen, I'm gonna say one thing. Game, ever since I went, they went to that Mets game like a week and a half ago, they've like won two games. So I might have killed the Mets. The Yankees Good need job, to Evan. disinfect the stadium. They need to disinfect. They put a hazmat team in for breeze everywhere. Something's happening. I think it's a stadium. Figure it out. Figure it out because you're winning games. Here we go. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.
God damn it. I don't even know what we're doing next, but this show is mediocre at best. All right, thank you. Moving on to another division. Yeah, moving somewhere. We don't fuck where. Yeah, <laughs> NFC North, I think. NFC North. Yeah, right, go. NFC, North. Right. NFC North Thursday. All right, thank you for sacrificing the time to listen to this. <laughs>